Kia ora! This is Glenn. And this is Elisa. And together we're Yoke. The two best friends navigating our creative journey. We want to make a safe and nourishing space for budding pan-Asian creatives in Aotearoa. So, let's crack on. So, from the beginning, Yoke was always going to be about the manifestation of a safe, growing space and... Lisa and I are so blessed to have stumbled upon this special place called Moose Space on Dominion Road. And today we have the human behind it, Karen. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Karen. You can Hi. sing it. <laughs> sing what? Sing hello? Yes. Hello? Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> so how did you start Moose Space? So it actually started just upstairs uh, about four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um it was called The Place Between back then. And Moose Space actually only began two years ago, 2018, June 1st. Mm-hmm. And this building actually has quite a lot of family history. On one side of my family, I'm second generation Kiwi. On another side, I'm fifth generation Kiwi. And on the second wow. generation Kiwi side, when they came to New Zealand in like something like the 1960s, mid 1960s, they bought this building in 1974. Mm. And it was one of uh, Auckland's first Indian restaurants. It was a whole bunch of different things. And then the upstairs became available. And it was like, it wasn't quite the state. Like, there was a terrible carpet. Someone had been here for 10 years, didn't really mm. maintain it. And so my grandmother was kind of like, look, if you can do something with this, you can pay a bit of the expenses, then um, then it's yours. And me and my brother kind of... Um, see community building as a big part of making that world a better place and so we started running um, film screenings and potlucks and all sorts of things and um, but (laughs) we didn't really have a sense to to um, how to finance the place and uh, we ended up instead of um, charging people just like asking people for gifts and koha and things so Mm -hmm. we got a lot of plants but not a lot of money and then yeah two years ago the lease for downstairs became available and that's three times um, bigger than the upstairs space. It had always been a dream to to create a space to bring people together, to allow for people to create and share more of what they love with the world. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the work that I'd been doing prior to starting Moose Space. So mm-hmm. it felt like, yeah, it was something that I'd always wanted to do, be a part of. And, you know, what would it look like if you could work in a place that feels comfortable, kind of mm-hmm. like your grandmother's lounge, like warm and comfy, mm-hmm. and then um, around people that inspired you in a creative place. And then at six o'clock when you finished work, there was a gig on mm-hmm. um, and there's mold wine and you oh discover like a new <laughs> artist that you love never that. knew about that you <laughs> like fell in love with, you mm-hmm. know? And I was like, wow. that would be my dream workplace. Wow. Mm. Side note, mm. did you say that it was called the space between the place between the yeah. place between At do you want to um elaborate on that a little bit i'm yeah. so intrigued yeah there was a, a couple of things so mm-hmm. um we're i don't know if we're officially halfway down dominion road but we definitely mm-hmm. wanted to claim it i don't think we yeah. are um <laughs> like the plaque is it's kind of hard to tell but it's i, I think it's just further up like up towards town yeah um and so the place between was kind of um the idea behind it was sort of sort of adopted from that sociological term um, of third places. I don't know if you guys are familiar with third places. Mm, wait. <laughs> you carry on. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, so this idea that, that we have our first place and a second mm-hmm. place like home and work and we play mm-hmm. certain roles at home 
whether it's like a flatmate, a, a son or a daughter or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then at work, we play certain roles like a colleague, a boss, a manager, mm-hmm. or whatever. But where is it that we play no specific roles and just play oh. the roles that we want to play? Mm-hmm. Um, and also just having a place that um, isn't home and work. And you can use mm-hmm. that to explore the varying deeper questions of life or your creativity or your passions or yeah. connect with people you wouldn't otherwise connect with. And um, I suppose that's not, you know, the strict definition of a third place, but that's, mm-hmm. um, I guess, something that we were inspired by. And so the place between was kind of, yeah, the place between home and work and where you can yeah. explore those things. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. Mm. Because we were thinking of third culture when you said third place. Are we all third culture kids in mm. this room? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> third culture yeah. kid friends. Yeah. <laughs> the waves. Yeah. yeah, I'm all about that. Hey, like, mm-hmm. um, it's such an interesting thing being a third culture kid. And, like, mm-hmm. I suppose how I define it is just this idea that, like, you're from one place, you might sound like something, you might look like something. Yeah. Mm. And it's just, like, all very confusing. And this idea of, like, or there's like a never-ending quest for us for where the fuck is home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Um, where would home be for I, you? Mm. Oh, I don't want to give the cliche answer where it's like home is wherever like you know <laughs> my friends are or whatever. Um, recently, I w- last year around this time, I went to Holland, and that's where I grew mm. up. And so yeah, it's been it's been really confusing. I mean, the American accent is kind of because the American schools, which was in Holland oh. and England. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, typically I confuse people a lot mm. with my face accent. But, yeah, I mean, I suppose the biggest cultural challenge was actually just recently going back to India. <gasps> oh. Um, um, <laughs> well, actually, when I say going back to India, I've never really lived there. I just uh, <laughs> always went as a, as a kid or whatever yeah, yeah. for, like, weddings and mm-hmm. visiting family and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been, like, 10 years um, since I'd last gone, um, mm-hmm. since the last time I went, which was in February this year right before covid oh my god Um, and that was like a real interesting trip um Mm -hmm. i'd like come across this term um internalized racism about two years ago yeah and it really hit me like Mm -hmm. i feel like i was just fully unaware of that whole idea and how it was a yeah, becoming more and more part of my life um, as I just came to realize how much of it, like, was embedded in my life, like, how much I just distanced myself from Mm. Kiwi Indian communities and never really was attracted to the Indian community in any real way. Mm. Um, And, yeah, effectively realized how much I had put aside my cultural heritage to, like, assimilate into Western culture, Mm. you know? Um, And when I learned about that and realized that I sort of started this journey of how do I embrace the Indian part of me. It really came into a focus point um, a year ago, and I was doing this Treaty of Waitangi kind of four-day exploration social dialogue thing. Mm. Yeah, it was basically talking about, like, how to be a responsible to'iwi or pakeha. And rather than thinking it from the, like, Western perspective of, like, I don't know, being good or doing the right thing or learning the language, trying to connect in with our own roots Mm -hmm. um, and then sort of try and learn and empathize from that place. Um, Opposed to using it as an intellectual exercise more as like a 
from a different worldview, I, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and as I was trying to do that, I really was then feeling how disconnected I was from my cultural roots. And, mm-hmm. um, and then from then on, I realized how my, like, it's taken me at that stage, I was 23, and it was like 23 years of life to realize that I was Indian, that like I had been yeah. pushing that aside. And, mm-hmm. you know, theoretically, when I have kids, you know, and maybe it'll take them 23 years to realize that they're Indian, and, you know, they're going to, like me at that point want to learn about their Indian culture and what stories am I going to be able to tell them you know and so I was like gosh like my grandmother is probably the only one in my family whom um who has been born and brought up in an Indian village so Mm -hmm. gosh I should go and ask her and try and capture some of these stories Mm -hmm. such that my future kids when they (laughs) realize that they want to connect in with their Indian culture that they can hear it from someone who's actually lived there and, and, and grew up there and, and knows what maybe maybe more closer connected. So mm-hmm. in February of this year, I went over to India to embrace that part of me and also make a film about my grandmother to wow. um, sort of for my theoretical future kids yeah. um, and sort of pass on some of those stories. So that was that was a really, really interesting cool. um adventure with uh yeah a range of different experiences i thought it was going to be sort of easy breezy make a film you mm-hmm. know capture some stories and away i went but um mm-hmm. no it definitely came with uh, uh, a whole range of things um mm-hmm. yeah tears joy all sorts man do you think it's um your responsibility then to pass on the culture of your grandmother which necessarily might not necessarily be your culture though right right now so then how, like, I feel the same where I'm a little bit disconnected with my culture as well. But that when I when you were saying you're going to do stuff to pass on to your theoretical kids, for me, if I were to do that um, and pass on, like, my grandmother's stories and, mm. like, my parents' stories, it wouldn't be, like, mine. Then my voice gets lost, I guess, is mm. what I'm saying, which sounds really selfish, but how then do we combine our voice and our story and like the culture we're experiencing right now with what our ancestors and our grandparents experience? That's an interesting idea. Like mm-hmm. my my sense is that like, you know, whilst I was sharing my grandmother's story, it mm-hmm. was through my lens, you know, like it wasn't oh. directly my yeah. grandmother telling, um, I suppose, theoretically, her great grandkids. It, mm-hmm. it was her telling me and then me passing them on. You know, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, I was the one asking the questions, yeah. you know, um, hit record on the camera. And, yeah. and, you know, and I think in a way, um, that's ultimately how the stories will be told um, mm-hmm. beyond, of course, me just sharing um, who my grandmother was um, and who she is now. She's still alive. Yeah, I don't know. I suppose that's like kind of like a almost like an art question, right? Like I feel like no matter what though, even though it's not necessarily like directly my story, like it's still mm. coming through my lens, right? Like she would yeah. tell the story differently if it was directly to my great golf her great grandkids mm. sort of thing, I suppose. Yeah. How did your fascination with filmmaking come to you as part of your storytelling? My earliest memory of film is like grabbing my dad's video camera that had the like mini DV discs oh, yeah. and I remember when I was 16 I went to like my first ever meetup group like I remember like going onto like my family email account because that's what yeah. we did back then mm-hmm. family email accounts and I saw that dad was subscribed to this thing called meetup 
And I was like, what the fuck is yeah. made up? I yeah. was like, is this like a dating site? Does like my mom know about this? It's like not hiding this well at all. Yeah. Um, but so I was like super curious and then I went on there and it was just like this like old people way of like meeting up with finding new friends or whatever um, is what I thought at the time. Yeah. Now I love meetup. Um, <laughs> I also run three meetups. Yeah, I found this one for like film and naturally the thing was like R18 and I would have been 16 at the time. So I remember like getting my dad's suit and it was going down <gasps> to my knees. I'd like had some. Because like, that makes you look like an adult. Oh thing. yeah. No, so totally. Transform you. Absolutely. I'd like grown out as much stubble as I could, which was like less than a centimeter. Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, it was, like, a short film festival at Unitech. And I remember, like, showing up, hoping that I was going to be able to get in, and -hmm. then, like, wandering down the staircase and just hearing these murmurs of people talking about film. And, oh, it was intoxicating. It was was electrifying. It felt amazing. And um, I remember kind of, like, penguining over to, like, conversations and, like, butting in and just being, like, hello, like, (laughs) I'm really interested in film. I like film. Yeah, like, tell me more. And um, it was so great. And, yeah, I later went on and went to Unitech Film School. And probably a big part of it was because of that um, short film festival and how amazing it felt to sort of find my tribe in that sense. And Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely the people, like, recently I found these conversations with, like strangers, the most inspiring. Mm. Just meeting up with people. Yeah, people are great. Mm. Yeah, basically is what we want to say. People yeah. <laughs> are awesome. Yeah, I love people. Do you think so? Are you quite close with like the people that you met at uni then? Because I know I because finding my tribe in uni, mm. that's those are the people I stuck to, mm. and I just wanted to invest in and continue to grow with. Yeah, I had a really interesting uni experience. I had a oh, very okay. short. <laughs> uni experience so oh. um, so for me I knew always I always wanted to be a filmmaker yeah um, but then my career counselor and my parents felt like society at large didn't want me to be a filmmaker um, and oh. um, ended up still doing it thankfully and, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but then the thing was is like I remember having to like convince my parents who of course wanted me to be like an engineer or yeah. surgeon or doctor or whatever else classic mm-hmm. Indian stereotype yeah. so yeah went to film school But then the problem was, is that whilst I was there, I was so caught up in this idea that so many of my friends who wanted to be artists, musicians, filmmakers, painters, whatever else, were effectively being pushed into things that were more like, quote unquote, safe or um, more um, abiding to like society's version of what success looks like, Um, that I, I was so frustrated. I would, like I felt like these are just like wasted talent. And yeah. um, I remember starting like like a questionnaire that would ask far better questions than what my career counselor asked me, because mm. he would ask things like you know what's your favorite subject or what are you good at at school, and I thought those weren't like really good indicators of like how you should make a decision for like what you want to do for the rest of your life. Mm. Um, so I thought I'd ask questions things like you know. Um, that would stimulate more of your imagination. Things like, you know, what could you stay up all night talking about? Or if you could make up a subject at school, what would it be? And I put this questionnaire out to my friends. And it kind of just grew and grew. It was called My Big Dream. I sent it out to about 10 friends. They sent it out to their friends. And then I just became really passionate about this idea of, like, supporting people to do more of what it is that they love doing. Mm. Um, meanwhile, of course, was, like, really interested in film, but mm. found out that I f- was actually really more into documentary and 
Mm-hmm. I looked at the year threes at this film school at Unitech, and I was kind of like, do I really want to spend the next three years to like eventually just work on one big grad film mm-hmm. with 40 people and then be like the assistant's assistant's coffee runner? Mm-hmm. Like right. probably not. And then go mm-hmm. into the industry and then spend 10 years being a runner and then get a big break and then on the assistant's grip or whatever yeah. else. And so I was kind of like, you know what? I could probably go out there and start making documentaries, work on this like yeah. random career my big dream project and see Mm -hmm. where that goes and so after about four months of um, my Mm -hmm. film school it took me about two or three months to just convince my parents to go to film school yeah Yeah. it took me another two or three months to convince my parents that i wanted to drop out yeah um so yeah i didn't really have much time actually at film school yeah and then ran this organization it sort of grew into a a sort of a youth network or a small organization and ran Mm. that for about five years before the moose space story starts yeah that's really interesting because i sort of have like a similar journey that i'm going through that reflects a bit of what you went through but i obviously i went through film school towards the end i was also really fascinated by documentary because of the authenticity of the people on screen like they weren't playing someone they were being themselves and it turned into what Yoke is today, which is like a community, real-life collective of voices and bring them together to talk about and ask questions, sort of like a director asking an actor questions. And mm. I was so passionate about how film could change someone's perspective. Mm. But like what I'm doing now brings the filmmaking skills into a mm. practical... Right, yeah. Beyond situation yeah. yeah beyond beyond filmmaking mm. and Alicia and I always talked about that yeah yo can be is so much more than just a podcast just mm. a online hub but something that can impact reality mm. yeah I think basically I kind of just reject the whole idea of what society wants or expects of me to be as a graphic designer and that yeah that's exactly why yoke started because we wanted to do something so much more something beyond like what is you know yeah safe and what is expected um yeah and it's so great talking to people like you like i feel like i've just fallen in love with you oh my god <laughs> everyone in that seat honestly i just like stare into their soul and i'm like dang i want to like pick your brain and like mm. understand how you became like that I, th- I think so this is such a beautiful medium, right? Because, like, I find, especially by nature of the type of work that I'm in, I'm mm. connecting with a lot of people, but in really short, like, two-hour events. And right. I might be connecting with a couple people that night. And though I might see a lot of people, like, mm. there isn't that sort of quality of time necessarily in a lot of my... And the intimacy. Um, yeah, totally. And this is, like, a really special way to... Yeah, allow for people to just like share, and you guys have made it so comfortable. Look at these crackers and hummus. And Do you want a cracker? Right now? Yeah, a cracker break, dude. Oh my god, cracker break. We love cracker doing break. an ASMR. I think one of the things that I love about the space is that we get a lot of people doing their first ever gig here, but yeah. also people who are veterans and who've gigged heaps and, and want simply to be able to connect more with their fans and simply yeah. just have 30 or 40 of their closest fans come and hear them perform. And yeah, and I could say that for a number of various sort of creative disciplines. Um, you know, we've started doing a magic show here um, run by Dev um, and 
yeah, it's just wonderful because I, I don't actually know where you can go and reliably see a magic show once in yeah, a while. I'm sure totally. there are things out there, but um, yeah, it's just wonderful to be able to have a venue where you can have magic as well yeah. as um, comedy as well as, mm. you know, I mean, one day Variety. we had a wedding here, which blew my mind. So it was wow. like, you can really um, yeah. do a lot with space. And I think mm-hmm. um, Moose Space is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Where do you see Moose Space going? If I look back in the over the past two years, um, I feel like we're very much in, in startup phase. I, yeah, I think my role less is someone with a certain vision that I'm trying to like impart mm-hmm. into the world, rather sort of connect a bunch of different people who want to share the same space and sort of listen to what their needs are and sort of create an environment where they can do their best work and share Mm -hmm. what it is that they love. I mean, you guys will both know that, you know, sharing something into the world and creating what is in your heart that is wanting to be put out there is not an easy thing to do. And so how do you create the support systems to allow for that to happen? And there's something quite unique about people sharing the same space and having different needs and wants and different desires for what it looks like, feels like, happens here, the tone of it, all of that. And so Mm -hmm. for the first two years, pretty much up until now, has been um, what some might describe as a bit of a shit show, but (laughs) somewhat of a a beautiful shit show of of learnings, lessons, and and just a a whole bunch of like happy accidents, you know? I think Mm. it is only now I can say um, that we're sort of, you know, I've got my head above water and I can sort of look at Moose Space with a bit of perspective. To be honest, um, I'm less excited about the possibility of the space growing. I think a lot of people might assume that we would just want more members or more space. Mm. But to be honest, I love the idea of we cap the membership at 40 people. And, you know, I think that for me feels really good, you know. I think that's the amount of people that people can feel comfortable um, sharing to. And that's mm-hmm. a big part of the space, you know, yeah. leave your mask at the door. You know, there's a certain there's only a certain number of people that you might be able to feel comfortable um, doing that with yeah. and, and, and sharing that with. And, you know, I, I hold a lot of trust with these these people. You know, as you know, my my apartment is connected to the space, you know, effectively 40 people yep. have the key to my yep. house and or my room. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think 40 people feels really good. And, and mm. you know, I have no real interest in, in it being 100 people or, um, mm. or 1000 people or whatever else. But what I think I would love to see is more people doing more of what they love. I think that's the original mission. And, you know, it, it warms my heart to, to receive an email yesterday um, and, and to be more and more getting these types of emails of, of someone who had um, just stumbled upon the space, who's just decided to start putting their music out there, though they've been playing for ages, have an incredible SoundCloud, but have nothing mm-hmm. on YouTube, nothing on Instagram, and want to run their first gig here at the space. Mm-hmm. And that is an incredible privilege. You know, being able to co-host or host someone's first gig is mm-hmm. so special, you know, and, and I sort of... Um, feel really lucky to be um, the one who, though can't claim all the credit for all the magic work that happens um, because of all the incredible people who've contributed to the space, be able to be the one that replies to that email and say, yes, come, share, create, and you are so very welcome here. You know, um, far too often artists, creators get kind of, whether it's put down or um, you know, we're plagued by this idea of tall poppy. Like, mm. how do we create a, 
a world, a society, even if it's just within these four walls where we can feel free to take off that mask and take off our roles of home and work and share what it is that um, wants to be shared. So, yeah, I I love what I do here and I love what Moospace is. And um, to be honest, if it's if it's doing what's doing now in five, ten, a hundred years time, I'll be happy. Yeah. I think I think that is such a good way to end it. Like, so I guess it's the it's the last few questions then of the podcast. You know what what's coming? I do. Um, <laughs> I do. Have you thought about it? I have a little, and I it's it's semi controversial mostly because of my vegan non vegan stance. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Okay, I'll ask it. Um, how do you like your eggs? Scrambled on sourdough. We yeah. love yeah. that. Oh, so interesting. <laughs> Do you want to describe your why scrambled? Why scrambled? Yes. Oh, I don't know. It probably looks less egg like. I'm sorry. <laughs> that feels That's really fine. bad. No, no it's, it's fine. Just like, you know, you guys are called yolk, and I'm like, it looks less eggy. <laughs> um, no, I love good scrambled eggs. Yeah. And um, sourdough is just great. Oh, there's mm. this great place, Mr. T's. Have you been there? There's no. Kumara sourdough. It's <gasps> what? Kumara sourdough. So good. And the best croissants in Wait, Auckland. Where are they? I have like no affiliation where? with Mr. T's, but they're just amazing. It's in Onehunga. <laughs> right. Who is another Pan Asian creative that is inspiring to you at the moment? Ooh, so many. Um, ooh, so many. Yeah, one um, one artist that's been inspiring me a lot recently is Ankita Singh. Mm-hmm. I know her. She's rad. I met her once. Um, wow. I'm going to one of um, Pryor's shows tomorrow, yeah. which I'm super excited about. So, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, continually just, like, a part of productions that are just incredibly moving and beautiful and take you into the place. Mm-hmm. And um, I think... Producers, I feel like she takes a producer role mm. um, more often than anything, and I've seen just the work that she's a part of, and yeah, I think producers are often quite underappreciated, so yeah, Ankita mm. is incredibly inspiring to me. Okay, last question. Oh, yes. Um, what are you most hopeful for for the rest of the year and the future? To be honest, it's kind of just, I mean, this is so not like the creative whatever answer, but it's kind of just like road trips in the sun. Yeah. Enjoying mm, this beautiful great. country that we live in. Yeah. And going to beaches and hanging out. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm very excited for like the peak of summer and people are yeah. off work and hanging out and enjoying the holiday period and all of that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like it's been an interesting year and I feel like a lot of people are pretty excited probably about getting some time off and mm-hmm. um, some like time off that they chose <laughs> I suppose. Um, yeah, but sure. um, yeah now I'm excited for summer thank you for your time Kieran thank you so much this has been wonderful yeah you're wonderful oh thanks <laughs> where can people find you um, mostly at Moose Face um, or Ozone yeah 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 yeah. oh my god right now definitely at Ozone and yeah. or Moose Face um, what times yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, um, you can find stuff about Moosebase online at moosebase.nz, or you can find some of my film work on Facebook or YouTube, just Mm -hmm. under my name, um, Kieran Patel. Oh, follow me on the gram. I feel like that's a thing, right? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Follow me on the gram. Yeah. Follow on the gram. Boom. What's your handle? Oh, right. Uh, Yeah, I was like, I like didn't do that right. Um, (laughs) It is my name, my first and last name, and then films, so Kieran Patel Films. Nice. Boom.